2: Weekends were made for sports. Now do the robot voice. I want to hear it again. Three
3: more sharp
2: robot. That's a terrible robot voice. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and
3: the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I have aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Where are the turtles? Turtles. Where are the turtles? Come on, guys, get out of here. Where are the turtles? And Rashad Taylor. Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man.
2: On 1080 The Fan. Hour 2 of 2 here on Sports Sunday, 10.06 on this beautiful Memorial Day Sunday morning, Memorial Day weekend Sunday morning, 1030. We have it or love it. Text lines 503 250 If you'd like to interact with us on the show today, talking Blazers, spent some time on NERC as well as just the game in general and hour number one. If you missed any of it and want to hear it, Les Schwab Tires podcast will be up after the show, but I want to get to Norm Powell. We skipped Norm Powell. I want to get to Norm Powell uh, coming up, uh, coming up here. And after the first few games, I was really frustrated because his body language was really mediocre on the court. He was getting really frustrated. He was pouting. He kind of just seemed defeated. And I think in part it was because he wasn't really touching the ball that much. He had, you know, corner three attempts, but beyond that, he wasn't doing a whole lot. And what I liked from Terry Stotts, although he said he said differently in the postgame press conference, they asked the question if did they drop a lot of plays for him to get him more involved. And he said, not really. We had a couple plays for him, but beyond that, it would just, it just happened in the flow of the game. It seemed to me like they got Norman Powell involved intentionally in the early part of that game. You know, he was handling at the ball at the top of the key. He was driving the lane. He was receiving balls for shots uh, in the corner, but also, you know, at the the top of the arc as well. It just seemed like they went clearly. He's not engaged when he's just standing in the quarter, waiting for his shots. So let's get him more engaged. And it worked because not only did he play great offensively and hit most of his shots, he played great defensively too. It was like, it's it was almost, it felt the same as Nurk. You engage him offensively. He'll play better defensively. Were, we're for Nurk If you engage him defensively, he'll play, he'll play better offensively. And it, it just kind of felt the same way because Michael Porter Jr. got three shots total in the game and Norman Powell was the one guarding him. So, Props to Powell. It made me very excited to watch him, hopefully for the Blazers to re-sign him this year if they can, because I love what he does with his aggressive ability to drive the ball. He can shoot. We knew that. But I love the way he drives the ball. I love it.
3: I I, I don't think he was pouty as much as he was frustrated. You know, the thing about the Blazers, and I've said this before, is that I feel like they don't draw up a lot of plays. I feel like it's just kind of, Dame, you go ISO, and then CJ, you go ISO, and then Melo is for sure going ISO. and They'll know, draw when, up like
2: little side screens. Yeah, so you know, it's, it's, space, it's a, there's a
3: high screen, and you know that's coming. Mm-hmm. Dame's going to come around set screen, and if he's open, he's going to chuck it. Nurkic is probably going to roll towards the basket, and then once Nurkic rolls, somebody's going to be in the corner for three. That's the Blazers' main play, right? That's That's pretty much what we can expect to run every time. But if you're Norman Powell, there's nothing drawn up for you. It's pretty much when you when you get the ball, make something happen. Like there's no uh there there's no screens coming for you, there's no help coming for you. Just try to make something happen. And if you're Norm Powell, like, yeah, I I think I am as good as CJ McCollum. And I honestly think most Blazer fans would probably tell you he probably is as good as CJ McCollum, you know, at this point in his career. So why does CJ get the plays drawn up and I'm sitting here in the corner waiting for the ball? Like it's hard to get in a rhythm, like especially when you're not a rhythm shooter. You know when you're when you're a guy like, I don't know who's a who's a good rhythm shooter. Man, Simons is somebody who's a great. So he he doesn't mind standing there and waiting for his opportunity. He's one of the best
2: catch and shoot Absolutely. three point shooters in the league. Absolutely, you year. know
3: Norman Powell can catch and shoot, but where he's good is being able to move with the ball and make something happen, like a CJ, like a Dame. And so if these guys keep getting all the plays drawn up for him, I. I mean, I'm not gonna say he clearly has an, an opportunity offensively to do some stuff, but every game he stepped up a little bit. Man, ten points in the first game. Uh again, the Blazers won, so I don't think anybody's really frustrated about not scoring a whole whole lot after you win the game. Second game, score better, but you still don't have anything drawn up for you. Everything drawn up for you. Everything is pretty much what you were able to do on your own. I think he's frustrated by that. Last night was the first time it looked like Norman, this play is for you. This plays for you. Make something happen. And he was able to shine in there. And he's much more explosive than CJ or Dame. You know, once he gets to the rim, I think Norman Pound's going to take off and try to and try to dunk. Like, we've yeah. seen Dame do some pretty impressive dunks over the past couple games. Dame you is know, a better finisher, but, yeah.
2: but Powell <laughs> goes up with way more venom.
3: Norman, Norman, for them being the same size, he's much more explosive than the two of those guys. So I think he can do... Maybe he can offer a little more as far as the the way he can score than CJ can. And then he can just offer you a little more as far as what he can do as opposed to what CJ can do. Last night, CJ had a great game, and he had eight assists. And I think it's easy to get lost in all that stuff. The last night was the first game. He really passed the ball really, really well. Like, we talked about it before. It's like CJ is – he's not going to pass. He's like a little mellow. Like, he gets the ball, and he's probably going to shoot. Like, it's just kind of one of those things. So it was great to know – that he knows Denver knows he's going to shoot. And so let me kind of pass the ball around and get some other guys involved. But I think Norman was just frustrated with, man, not being a, a bigger part of the offense. He probably should be.
2: I think he should be. And I think, I think we'll probably talk about this maybe, you know, a week or two from now when, or maybe when the season's over, but I think if you see more games like this, it gives you more of a reason to want to keep him at the expense of CJ. Yeah. Right. Like we all I mean, we all have a very complicated relationship with CJ here as fans because we all know that you don't make the Western Conference finals without him 2 years ago, right? He won you that Nuggets series single-handedly and if he's hot, his shot falls from anywhere and he can get wherever he wants and it's fun to watch, right? And you know, we know he can shoot the three pretty well and he makes some big shots in his career, but on the other on the other side of it, we look at it and we see someone who takes the air out of the ball completely stops passing it when he's the point guard on the second unit. Really if he defensively, even with the better effort defensively we're seeing from the team, who's the weak link It's CJ, right? He's doing better, but he's even Dame has gotten to the point where Dame as an aggressive defender is pretty competent and CJ's not. And you know, he doesn't pass the ball and sometimes he gets into these modes where he takes like four straight shots and they're all terrible shots and they miss and all of a sudden there's a huge momentum swing in the game. So it's complicated because we like CJ, but we realize that he's not as good as he could be or he's reached his ceiling.
3: You know what it is? As Blazer fans, we don't we don't want to let go of CJ and then him go and be more successful somewhere else. Mm-hmm. We look at Jermaine O'Neal as Blazer fans. Um, we look at um, Rasheed Wallace as a Blazer fan, and he left and won a championship the year that he left that hurt Blazer fans. So we hang on to CJ because I think we don't want to – feel that again we don't want to see our guy go off yeah and be successful and because let's think cj is probably gonna go somewhere and, and if he ends up in the east those let's say he ends up on a team like milwaukee he's milwaukee's second best player probably off top mm-hmm. you know like and so and then that's man that's an opportunity for him to win and, and make some noise and then all of a sudden we're like damn we we let go of cj and he went on and won a ring we should have hindsight being twenty twenty, 20 you know yeah, but that that's it, what you feel but that that's, also depends fans, what we, you
2: turn cj into and, right? yeah
3: the, and but here's the thing we know what cj is at this point with with Jermaine O'Neal we had no idea because he never played mm-hmm. like we didn't know what we had in Jermaine O'Neal with Rasheed Wallace we thought that he had reached his peak he what well, he did he, this is what he is as a defender this is what he is as a scorer and he got to Detroit and's like oh no he's a hell of a defender oh no he's a he, he can play the the third or fourth fiddle if he needs to and everything like we figured that out about him later you know because he went somewhere and they got the best out of him I guess we're afraid that we lose CJ. He's going to go somewhere and make us look stupid for it. Well,
2: yeah, but I think at this point, because that's why I say it's complicated, because I think Blazer fans also understand that if you want to make some sort of significant change, that is your your main piece in the gun. And it's gotten worse, too. If you'd done that two or three years ago, maybe you get some more than what you would get now. Because you're right. We all know who CJ is now. There's not really many more questions unanswered. So his trade value has gone down a little bit, too, because of that. It's not helpful.
3: Uh, I mean, he's still room for anybody that can score upward, upwards 20-something points a game.
4: Any, any team would still take that. So I fig- figured I should bring this up since we're close to break here, and you brought up Rasheed Wallace, and I'm watching the Atlanta Hawks game here. You remember Rasheed's short stint with the Hawks, right? It was like one, one, game. one game. One game. Trivia question. Can you name his head coach during that one game? Terry Stubbs. Oh, Mike. Yeah, it's one stop in Atlanta.
2: I had a feeling just because it was a random one game, and I was like, Terry Stotts used to coach in Atlanta, right? Right? Yeah, he was
3: terrible there. I mean, he had 30, so we know Terry Stotts is good for giving you 30. He gave <laughs> dirt, got 30 all the time. Uh, you know, Dame gets 30 routinely, you know, and so I'm sure the next team Terry Stotts coaches will have a guy that averages 32.
2: Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about that a lot more in depth towards the end of the season, but I think what you saw yesterday was Powell giving you that – Oh, so he could play the two, and you can get someone better at the three, and maybe there's more balance on this team. It just gets you a little bit excited. Uh, All right, coming up next, Rashad asked an interesting question before the show. Which player outside of this series has impressed you the most so far in the first round of the playoffs? That's next, Sports Sunday on the Fan.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
2: Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday yeah. with Mike and Rashad on Why 1080 The, the Fan. So
3: just like me. You tell me what that means. Make a slick comment and see what that brings. I've seen it go down. We can reenact things. This is a cut, right? like yeah, the is cool. So
2: Yeah, this So we're watching the city, Knicks the movie, and Hawks and on the God, TV, and the progressive commercial came on right where Jamie's like walking in yeah, slow motion thinking he's so and cool. Things. This song matched it perfectly because yeah, like, like, oh, we had probably. no sound on. And it was like, yeah, that's the, that's the song that's playing in that commercial as he like slowly walks like so all cool. This song's called Tyler
3: Hero, right? Yeah. This song should be called Chris Middleton. <laughs> <laughs> this song
4: is true. Drew Holiday. Yeah, jeez, man. Who wrote this song? This is Tyler Hero. Or... This is uh, Jack Harlow. Jack Harlow. Okay, I
2: was going to say, I don't think Tyler Hero did this song. <laughs> Maybe he no. did
4: write it and then give it to no,
2: Jack Harlow. A, he's
3: in the video. Well,
2: of course he is if it's named after you him. Know. So Rashad asked this question before the show, and I thought it was pretty interesting. And feel free to text your thoughts, uh, 503-250-1080, if you're out there listening. Outside of Blazers Nugs, which player so far has been the most impressive to you to watch in the rest of the playoffs? Rashad's answer
3: is on the TV right now. Man, my dude Trey Young is so, so, so much fun to watch like and if you i mean not a lot of people are watching atlanta basketball just in the first place so i'm glad he's finally for the first time in like two years in three years it's only his third year in the league fourth year third year third year third year in the league um and he's already got his team to this spot trey young averages 25 points and 9.4 assists for the season like this dude hasn't had a game in the playoffs so far where he hasn't had at least nine assists like He's, he's a combination of Steph because he can shoot from the parking lot like Steph, and he makes a lot of, like, unconventional type of three-pointers. But then he's also Steve Nash. If you look at the way he plays and look at the way he passes the ball, Lynch kind of put me on this pass that I missed during uh, when, when we were on air. But, man, driving the baseline, nice little almost kind of behind the back pass to a, a bounce pass to his teammate, Capella under the rim. Like, his eyes are always looking up and looking forward. And as a point guard, he's the perfect point guard because he can shoot he can get to the rim and he can pass like i mean and really when he learns how to defend which is going to be some take a while because he's so small uh he's going to be an unstoppable player but right now man there's not a lot of point guards i'm taking before i take trey young there's the list the list is really
4: short yeah i mean what you asked the segment before going to break and i had to think about it and Full disclosure, I don't watch a lot of Hawks games. I mean, that's yeah. you're exactly right None on of that. Not, not yeah. a this lot is of my first do, time so. watching
2: them this playoff, so my answer is not Trey Young. But so far, I've been quite impressed by Trey Young in this first quarter.
4: And I think that just like the whole baiting fouls thing started to give him a reputation around the league that maybe he's not as good as people think he is because he just goes to the free throw line and doesn't, you know, the whole Steve Nash thing where he was saying that's not real basketball because he's trying to pick up fouls and get to the free throw line rather than play the game. But yeah, watching him this series and him taking all the flack from the New York fans and showing up, thirty points, ten assists. I mean, he he's out there showing his game. I mean, another player just not to be redundant with Rashad here, but I mean another star, John Morant. I mean that's that's my answer. Yeah, he's going I mean he's been playing amazing for the Grizzlies in these first three games. I mean plus and and plus the playing tournament, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean like he's been really He's already been a rising star in this league and starting to get that superstar status. I mean, he's definitely shown against he's the Jazz. A, he's I mean, so real. That, that game last night too. That was a great game for the Grizzlies. Yep. Just fighting and didn't f- finish the way they wanted to. But yeah, John Moran as well. Here's
2: the thing: Memphis is not winning that series. You can you can tell right away. Like they won Game One because nama Mitchell wasn't there. Now the Mitchell's back. I think the Jazz are going to win in five. And honestly, oh, you yeah. could
4: say Donovan Mitchell, too. As soon as he got into the. Instant. Like back in never the game, missed a moment. Yeah, it was like, well, that's a completely different team.
2: Absolutely instant. But uh, from what I've seen from John Morant, and we got this text, and I agree with it. He goes, John Morant's asserting himself as a playoff caliber point guard. Yes. 100%. I think the cool thing is what we're seeing in these playoffs in particular is a lot of the youth is ready to take the mantle. Like once, once LeBron finally retires and KD is out of the league and you know, whatever other older star you want to throw out there. I mean, Dame even right. Once Dame is at, at the point where he's no longer a superstar, we're in good hands with the Lucas and the Trey Youngs and the John Morant's and, and guys like that. Like we're, we are in good hands. We're going to have a great playoff series still of teams with really talented stars and hopefully built well that will continue to lead us to have some good NBA playoffs to watch. For me it's Morant just because we all knew Morant was an elite passer when he right. got drafted and it was like wow, he's he's going to be one of those like great passers of all time. Dude's become a legit scorer too. And he's not he's still not the best shooter. He's really good at driving. He's really good at passing. His shot's still a little bit, needs some work, but that's even been been improving too. And it's just, he's been so much fun to watch. I want to get a I want to give a little love to someone else as well. I just looked up at the screen and saw him. How about Derek Rose turning the clock back? <laughs> oh man. We are he's all been, on
4: the same page right now. Yeah. He's that's
2: been exactly. inserted You're into the starting the lineup stuff. and he's just he's killing it for the Knicks. Man. I I Derek
3: Rose, who I thought was dead, is, is, is playing really well in a playoff series. I don't know if there's anybody that's not happy for Derek Rose. Like Whether you were a Bulls fan or whether you were a D. Rose fan or a Dinas fan, whatever the case is, I don't know if there is any basketball fan that isn't happy for Derrick Rose, even if you hate the Knicks. I think there's a lot of people that don't like the Knicks. Uh, but Derrick Rose makes you feel good when he plays the game. Because do you think like, people
2: still feel the way about the Knicks, even no, though they've been bad no, I for I like think, 15 years? I
3: think if they do, it's because people still sweat the Knicks and think every year the Knicks should be – better or they can't wait for the Knicks to be great and they can't wait for the NBA is going to be so much better when the Knicks are blah, blah, blah. Especially when you're from a place like small market Portland. Like, yeah, you hate hearing about the the weak-ass Knicks and they've been trashed for 20 years at this point. So I think people don't like them for that reason. Not because they're good, but because it's like Dallas. No offense, Joe. I'm not saying that to, to be mean, but it's kind of like one of those historically great franchises that everybody just sweats. And somebody this year says Dallas is supposed to go to the Super Bowl. Why we don't see it, but it's just the expectation because it's Dallas, because it's New York, they should be great. And I think that's the reason why people, not because they hate Dallas, it's because they hate the fact that people sweat Dallas or or the Knicks or the Lakers and stuff. So I, I, that's why. If and then
2: I, also, Joe mentioned it, or you mentioned it,
3: Chris Middleton. How
2: yeah. about that as another guy who's really kind I mean, of shown up? Let's
4: just give flowers to the Bucks as a whole. I mean, they just. Who
2: thought they'd sweep them
3: fools? Like I, mean, they,
4: I, I had a feeling they would beat the Heat. Like, it would maybe be, like, six games. On some
3: revenge stuff from last year, yeah. Yeah,
4: I mean, they. I mean it was clear. It's like, they have a better team this year. The Heat, I mean, Jay Crowder made a big difference for him defensively. Instead, you have, like, Duncan Robinson having to guard the Chris Heat, Middleton. The it's Heat like, were
2: very strange this year. They never fully got back to last year's level.
4: Yeah. I just
3: kind of felt like the Bucs were soft all year. And the Bucks have really been soft. They get to the playoffs, and they kind of – collapse you know for whatever reason and so this was the first time that i saw a team that was man it looked like they were truly motivated to go out there and say man no this is this is our year and i think miami was that first little hurdle they had to get over and it, it i'm sure it felt good to knock them out after being embarrassed by them last year in the playoffs
4: i'm gonna throw or out one during more- the
3: bubble three four you know, six seven months ago however long ago that was
4: if i'm gonna throw out one more player um and it might not be popular because it's a clipper but i mean Kawhi leonard he, if they lose a series, it is not because of him. Dude is balling out. He had like 41 the other night. He finished or started one game like 10 for 10 from the field. Um, if it's anybody's fault on that Clippers team, it's definitely not Kawhi's.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, I think what I've learned about that Clippers team is that the team is not very good. No. Like you've got Paul George and you've got Kawhi Leonard. And
3: then everybody else. And I look
2: at the rest of the roster and I'm like, what? This is the Clippers team that is... Like, wait, why did we all think they were going to be amazing if this is the supporting cast? Like,
4: Luca is punking Pat Beverly. Yeah. Anytime he puts them, puts like they have to guard him. I mean, their third leading scorer is who Marcus Morris? Yeah. I mean,
3: I think, and also, I think it's important while we mentioned Kawhi, um, Paul George has been great you know, in the, in these games, like since it, the first visit
4: and since the first game. Yeah. yeah and, and, and it's
3: really, you know, again, their losses have have more to do with the, with the fact that they don't have a, a squad as much as they have two really, really good players that are just, it's like having a great a high school team that has two coal players and then everybody else is like a C plus possibly on that team. So you can only, you can take them so far, you can get third, fourth place in your, in, you know, in your school's division in your league. But once you get to the state, tournament uh, it becomes a little harder to win because you got to go against better teams and right now Paul George you know last game 29 game before that 28 and 12 you know like it's not that he's not doing his thing it's he just doesn't they don't have a lot of help right now
2: a couple of texts for blazer players as well Uh, Ant Simons comes in Simons he says you know he's obviously known as a shooter even though he hasn't been getting that many shots but defensively he's been really impressive absolutely one thing and, and in this final stretch of the year when Terry Stotts shortened the rotation down to eight players and Simons was part of it, they basically challenged him and said, look, if we only have eight guys coming on the court, you got to play defense. And he's fast enough and quick enough on his feet that he's started to use that lateral quickness to stay in front of guys. He's still not great. Like he's not, he's not a great defender yet, but he's doing a good enough he's job. He's doing a
3: good job of making guys uncomfortable. And that's really all you can do. You're not saying you have to stop everybody. Or you have to but you make it comfortable. Make sure yeah. they don't get that easy layup. Make sure that jump shot is contested. Like, you're not going to stop everything, but just make it to where these guys just can't waltz to the, you know, to the free throw line and waltz into the cup and, and score easy bucks. And like, this text is, is
2: saying Mello's turning back the clock this series. You know, I, I'm going to bring this up because I think it's funny and it's, it's true, is on Friday, Isaac said this on the air. He goes, I was wrong. Mello was a great addition for this team. And he was like one of the hardest on the mellow signings the entire time through. And he goes, the dude is an important part of this team. He's, he's incredibly valuable as a shooter and as a veteran guy on the floor. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's amazing how we, how like split we all were on the mellow stuff. And we've had bad mellow where he takes up all the isolation, but you know, isolation, sorry, he goes to isolation ball in the second quarter and takes up a lot of the minutes. But when Mello is hitting shots consistently, and he's a part of the flow of the offense, what a guy to have off the bench. We
3: should really talk about how special Mello is. I think there's what there's two guys from the class of Oh that They're still in the league. Still. Yeah. LeBron and Mello, the one and three, like the two that came into the league with all the, the hype, you know, around them. And those are still the guys that are uh, LeBron, obviously to a much higher degree, but Melo's still a a a good part of a basketball team. Like if you're a, a championship squad or the the one of the squads is teetering, on the you know the precipice of being a championship team, like it, I expect them to make runs at Carmelo this this off season, 100%.
2: All right, let's go take a break. Coming up next, it is time for Hate It or Love It. First, Joe Sports.
0: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, the music's me. Music means it's time for Hate It or Love It. Joe will ask us questions and then award us points. Joe, what do you got for us today?
4: All right, I got a Blazers. I got a two NBA questions, and then one miscellaneous. Miscellaneous. Is it Mish or Miss? Miss. Miscellaneous. Miscellaneous. Okay. Our first one is the Blazers. They get the game four win, tie the series. They dominate the Nuggets, and now the series is headed to Denver for a pivotal game five. (laughs) But I I
2: I love the generic terms we use for these games. Crucial. Pivotal. Must win. Must win.
4: And, Mike, you mentioned earlier about nuggets fans and media and uh believe hard hardwood paroxysm he is a uh, nuggets reporter nba reporter at large on, yeah he's on at, action network yeah, now. action network
2: what's right? his Moore. name well matt Moore is his name oh. but uh his twitter handle is hp basketball hardwood paroxysm that's that's just what he goes by but he tweets like nine million times a day it's yeah. insane
4: but uh basically i mean he holds the opinion that like the blazers should win this series i mean he's a realist and with the backcourt the Blazers do have the advantage and now with that big game 4 win, hate it or love it, the Blazers have all the momentum and confidence now. Oh, I love it.
2: Uh, I think that game is very very important, not just because obviously you needed to win it to not go down 3-1 in the series. Not that that's officially the death nail, but it's also uh you know, it it basically is, right? You're down 3-1, it's going to be almost impossible to come back from that. So obviously that's really really big, but I think the fact that the Blazers saw some strategies they implemented as a counterpunch work so effectively is gonna really give them confidence going into the next game where, like I said in the beginning of the show, watching some of the Nuggets post-game reaction was, they went, I don't think the Nuggets can stop this. So if that's the case, if they don't think the Nuggets have the personnel or ability to adjust for the the changes the Blazers made in this last game, yeah, you've got the momentum because you won, And yeah, you've got a lot of confidence going forward, but what's to say that that's going to change now? Obviously, you know, it's a playoff series and things are going to be tweaked and we'll see. And you know, a lot of it depends on shooting. Blazers lost game three in large part because they couldn't shoot the three. Nuggets lost last game because uh, in large part because they couldn't shoot at all. They shot like 32% from the floor total. They just couldn't hit anything. Some of that was on the Blazers defense. Some of that was just, they couldn't shoot. And I think all of that combined means the momentum has swung very sharply That's what happens with blowouts. You know, close losses, you're like, ah, we'll get them next game. When you lose by 20, when you're down by 30 in the third quarter, when you were just down by four, or middle second quarter, the Nuggets were down four. And then they're down 30. It's like, what on earth is happening? And I think that is what causes that kind of a swing. So, yeah, I I love it.
3: Uh, I also love it. I'll disagree with you for for this, Lynch. I I think it's, I think, Blowouts are, are easier to get over than I think close games are. I think when it's a blowout, lots of things go wrong. There's a reason that you got blown out. But during a close game, that means one or two mistakes could have been made or that, that you could have fixed, and that could have been the game for you. I think the Blazers, have really, um they have all the momentum because in the two wins that they have, those have been blowout wins. You know, game one, blowout win. Game four, blowout win. The Nuggets, the one game that they won convincingly was game two, and the Blazers were flat. The Blazers couldn't score. Uh, nobody could really do anything outside of, of really Dame and, and CJ at a point. Game three, uh, you end up losing by five. And, and even it took four miraculous threes by Austin Rivers uh, to get you there. But there hasn't really been a signature win for Denver yet. And the Blazers have really had two of those at this point. So if you're looking at that, you're saying that, man, when we beat these guys, we don't just beat them. We put the pedals to the metal and we blow them out of the water. And I think if you're the Blazers, you're looking at the fact you did it on the road in game one, then you came home and did it in game four. So you've seen that you can do you can have the same result on either court. So, uh, and then on top of that, you look at your team and the, your star player had 10 points. That means your other guys got involved. You saw a big, a great game from Norman Powell, you saw a great game from CJ McCollum. Nurkic finally stayed on the floor for the first time in two games, so he got a chance to finish the game, and that was a big factor down the stretch. So I'm thinking the, the Blazers finally see everything working the right way they know what works at this point if you don't know what works and what doesn't work after three or four games I don't know what else to tell you that's a coaching issue but it looks like everything is working for them the right way if they can maintain some of this momentum moving forward I think they'll be fine I think Denver is going to counter with a little bit but it's not going to be much I still expect the Blazers to win this series in six
2: one other note I didn't bring up today uh I don't know why it took this long to do this maybe it was just uh proving that he could have the stamina is matching Nurk's minutes to Jokic's minutes was all you needed to do, really. Because the second you took Nurk out and put Cantor in, in the first two games, Cantor was dead. And if you put the small lineup against Jokic, the small lineup was dead. But matching the minutes exactly, as long as he had a foul trouble, it worked. So bravo on that adjustment as well.
4: All right. And moving on to a little bit of a playoff scenario question here. And I got to give credit to my coworker, we're coming up with this idea, but I don't know about you guys. Seven game series in the first round. Not a fan of it. Hate it. You got obviously like, what did game four in the Bucks heat series prove to you that games two and three did? What is game four of the 76ers and Wizards series going to prove to you that the last two games haven't proved last three games. You're haven't talking
2: about you? having a seven game series in the first round. Yes,
4: in the first okay. round. So propose the idea that If a team is down 3-0 in a seven-game series, the series is over. Love. If they have a... Say it's a 2-1 series and the team goes up 3-1, it's still a seven-game series. Got to win that fourth game. There's still some competition there. But, hate it or love it, if a team goes down 3-0 in a seven-game series, regardless of needing that fourth win, this series should be over.
3: I absolutely love it because what you end up, what ends up happening, you get four meaningless games of basketball. We didn't see, we didn't need to see the Heat lose to the Bucks four times. We didn't need to see that. We don't need to see the Wizards lose to the 76ers four times. We've seen enough. We we know that, what what's the percentage of teams coming back after being down 3-0? I mean, How many teams have come, have come back and I mean,
4: won? In NBA, yeah. w- only once the Blazers did it, but then they lost that game seven. There
3: we go. So, I mean, it never happened. I remember that series. That's when uh, Zach Randolph came in, and all of a sudden he started killing. But outside of that, it doesn't happen. So what more do we need to see? I love the fact of turning the first round back into best of five. I think it lights a, lights a fire back <laughs> on the team, so it makes it uh, a-, a little more feasible. You lose that game one. You don't get to just relax and pick it up because you got another you know, possible six games to get it together. No, you need to make sure you can win now. I love making it best to five. Let's put some, let's really make it urgent in that first round. Let's kind of get ready to move on because you're seeing a lot of bad basketball in the first round,
2: man. This is tough for me because although in theory, I think that sounds good. I try to put myself like, okay, as a Blazers fan, right? Going into the first round. Oftentimes you're getting, especially when you're not the you know the 1-8 matchup, you're getting good series, right? Like this Nugget series can go seven games, and that's fantastic. So you, you take away some of the ability for a great comeback. You take away some of the ability for a longer series if you shorten it in the first round. But on the other hand, like you guys have argued, you have a sweep. You're probably getting another sweep tonight with the Sixers and the, and the Wizards. Granted, that was uh, a 1-8 matchup and a... Um, a uh, 3-6 matchup, I suppose, is, is a bit extreme for the Bucks. but granted, that one's a 1-8 matchup. I, I don't know what to feel about this one. I'm really torn. I'm gonna go ahead and say hate. I think I like the way it is right now because you always give the team a chance to win that, win those four games. You, know? you mentioned it. Although it didn't work out, the Blazers did have a comeback to force a game seven. That was probably super exciting to, to be here for and watch that, right? Like, oh my God, we're, we're doing it. We're, we're having the comeback. It's happening. And I think you take some of that joy away and to be honest i don't care if there's sweeps you know if there's a sweep okay cool that team was really really good and deserved to win the four games now they get to rest anyway until the next time i don't think you need to do that i'd be i'd be more willing to listen to the bring the five game first round back but uh i don't know if i'm gonna say love for end the series after a 3-0 no i'm gonna say hate on that one all right sorry for not being more solid on that that kind of I'm, I'm, I'm squarely on the fence and I don't really know where to sit, but that's a very good question. I appreciate that.
4: Yeah, I thought it was an interesting idea because, again, it's like, what is this game for between some of these series going to prove that we haven't seen already? So, all right, moving on to a team that did sweep, though, and that was the Milwaukee Bucks looking real good taking out the heat. They're definitely a completely different team this year. Drew Holiday, huge addition for them this year. So after seeing the Bucks sweep the heat 4-0 and under the assumption that the Brooklyn Nets will beat it, the Celtics in their series, hate it or love it, the Bucs are a legitimate threat to the Brooklyn Nets.
2: Oh, God, I'm going to say hate. Look, I, I, <laughs> I don't think anybody's a legitimate threat to the Brooklyn Nets really this year in the Eastern Conference. It, the closest would be the Sixers, in my opinion. But look, if you have a team with a fully healthy Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, as you're starting three and oh don't forget you've got one of the most lethal three-point shooters and joe harris on your team uh you got blake griffin starting there you've got deandre jordan who can come in to play minutes as a big you've just got guys all over the place that could contribute i don't think anybody's coming close until the finals and frankly even in the finals i'm not sure if a team from the west beats a team like the nets right now so i'm going to say hey hard for the bucks the box looked very impressive in their win over the heat but I'm going to go ahead and say, I think that's more on Miami than it is on Milwaukee. Milwaukee got better this year. Miami took a massive step back. I mean, they were an NBA final team last year. The Heat were and were incredible in the bubble. And this year kind of just felt like Tyler Hero took a step back. Duncan Robinson took a step back. You lost Jake Crowder, like Rashad mentioned last segment. Uh, It was Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler and Bam. Bam out of bio, of course. But he was even inconsistent this year. So it's like, I think it was way more on the heat than it was on the Bucs. I don't trust the Bucs. I don't trust Giannis uh, because Giannis can't shoot free throws because Giannis can't shoot. So Giannis will get his, but if you make him shoot the ball or if he tries to get a little too cocky, that's when the Bucs get in trouble. And I just don't trust him, especially in a a series if you're playing a team with three legitimate, unstoppable scorers. No way. So,
3: hate. I I hate it as well. Um, Unfortunately, I love the way the Bucks play defense, but you know, great offense is going to be good defense, you know, any day of the week. And when you're talking about the Brooklyn Nets, you're talking about great offense at the end of the day. Um, outside of the big three that, you can, that you're that you talking about, man, Joe Harris is as lethal a shooter as you're going to find. Jeff Green, while the numbers don't show it, is still a really valuable um, kind of glue guy to that team. Portland's own Mike James has come into that team and, and really been kind of a nice little spark for them uh, off of the bench. Really, you look up and down at this team and you say like there's with with one of these three guys, like these, this team was a threat. But now you're talking Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, three of the most lethal scorers in the history, not just currently, in the history of the NBA. Like, I think it's impossible for any team to really come in there and push them around. Like Lynch said, Giannis can't shoot. Giannis has a tough time shooting free throws. Giannis struggles at the free throw line with with the clock, you know. So him going against a team like this could, could be detrimental to him. Uh, we've seen if teams can keep him out of paint, which is easier said than done then Giannis isn't very effective because he can't shoot. Chris Middleton is a great second player, but I don't think anybody's really afraid that Chris Middleton's going to beat you every single game. So, yeah, at the end of the day, when you look at these teams from what you've seen and on paper, it unfortunately, the Bucks just don't measure up to how good this Nets team is, unfortunately. <sighs> Got to give credit to Steve Nash. That's the one thing we haven't given enough credit for was all the up and down stuff this year, and Kyrie is not playing, and then Kyrie's playing, and then he's back, and then he's not. Steve Nash has done a great job of keeping that team all the way together, man. So shout out to Steve Nash. But yeah, this Nets team is just too loaded for anybody to deal with in the East.
4: All right, and this last one could be the deciding factor. I will not be here next Sunday because I will be going camping. So hate it or love it, camping. <laughs>
3: Oh, love it! I'm. I'm I, big, I, I can't
2: say hate because I've never done it.
3: I'm a big fan of camping. <laughs> uh, I know Lynch said he's going to get to go to camping uh, here pretty soon. Yeah, at some point this uh,
2: summer, I'll be taking my first camping adventure.
3: So I'm a, I'm a big proponent of camping, um, not glamping, but being out there and really trying to rough it. If you can't go somewhere where you can fish, maybe even catch your dinner for the night, man, that could be good. I'm not going camping. I'm doing some uh, some floating uh, this uh, either today or tomorrow. So I'm going to be a little jealous, but I'll be out there in the wilderness as well.
2: Yeah, I can't say hate because I've never done it. I would say it doesn't seem like something I would enjoy, but I'm willing to try it because of a girl. It's a lot of fun,
4: so. Well, a lot I, of people
2: are willing to do things for a girl, you know.
4: And that opinion was just enough to push you <laughs> over the edge. Rashad almost yes. made the comeback, but because you good. said you didn't hate it and that you were willing to try it and you will have a good time.
2: Open-minded. Nate McMahon. You get the most like TV Jakes. Open-minded. I'm super glad I got the win because it's already 10:51, which means when we get back, we're going to have to break immediately. That's next on Sports Sunday on the Fan. After the end of a good fight, you deserve a nice cold reward. Medela, is the mark of a fighter, you've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
0: Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is kind.
1: Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader.
2: This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. So no karate guy for your boy, huh? He forgot.
3: <laughs> Thanks a lot, Joe. He's gonna be gone next week, eh? Uh,
2: yeah, I'll get you in two weeks.
3: <laughs> by then, Thanks. by then he'll have totally lost <laughs> oh, the yeah.
2: lost the, the need for that. You song.
3: should see the 100%. movie. You should see the movie before though. So check it out when you're on your travels. Maybe are you see driving? See the movie.
4: What what? What now? Are Who? you
3: are are you personally driving camping?
4: Um, I will be driving down to Eugene, and then my buddy will be driving from oh, okay. there to the camping spot. Okay, I
3: was gonna tell you if you're riding shotgun or in the back seat, man, you should go ahead and check out Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. <laughs> that is a great name. That's an awesome. That movie was. It's 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 a really fun. It's
2: movie. an SNL movie. It is.
3: Well. Or no. is it just like it it's, has those it, cast I mean, members I guess, like? Yeah, it's just him, you know, and. Uh, Tim Meadows and I uh, mm.
4: think that's about. I think those are the only. It's got a lot of SNL cast members. Yeah, former, much. present. Yeah, and
2: it's just like a cheesy, corny movie. I want to see it. It sounds funny.
4: Yeah, yeah. He's
3: making fun of you know Bieber, Timberlake, uh, Justin, you know, Mclemore, you know, all those <laughs> you know white pop stars and everything. It's it's pretty funny.
4: I would have to say that favorite SNL skit movie is probably gonna be it. it it's Wayne's World mcgruber i've i've heard great things about that too I, I need to watch that <laughs> hilarious i love the mcgruber skits for sure absolutely they were man. great and i, and I to am me-
2: not an snl guy so i'm I mean,
4: the, the, some of the movies are better than i know you wayne's know. world well obviously. the fact that they made mcgruber a movie when they were literally like 15 to 30 second like skits in the show like they were some of the like quickest segments that they ever had and then they made an entire movie that was great
3: it's hilarious and if you like uh will forte i, I think who i think is hilarious anyway um you'll love mcgruber
4: i was gonna say wayne's world but if not wayne's World, you mentioned tim meadows the lady the man. ladies man yeah hey With man leon, the but man. See, leon I, does,
3: got my cavatier i don't really
4: <laughs> count
2: that as like a snl
3: movie though right it but was it's, it's an snl character yeah you know, well i know got but it,
2: it, god it's it was so weird to me i guess because i didn't watch snl I don't consider that an SNL character. I'm like, oh, the ladies' man, yeah. Can
3: I buy you a fifth sandwich? Yeah. Can I buy you a fifth sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> All the answer to your romantic query. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I said if Lynch ever gets his own show, he has to bring me on just to do ladies' man love advice.
2: I was going to say, <laughs> you guys are so good at voices. I am not good at voices. My impressions are bad. Joe is becoming elite at impressions. I'm very, very happy about this.
3: That's good. It's a a good. At- you and Luke can go on, uh, go on tour.
2: Yeah, a very... <laughs> uh, elite. Okay, maybe not elite, but you've you become very, very good. Take you it to Vegas, very, baby. Very Take it to Vegas. All right, that's going to do it for us. Enjoy your la- uh, Labor Day. <laughs> My God, I don't know what day it is. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Happy three-day weekend. It's supposed to be beautiful out. Get outside. Be safe, folks. Have some fun. Be safe, but have fun, you know? We can do things again. It's nice. Joe's out next week, so it'll be Rashad and I, 9 to 11, Sunday morning. Have a very good rest of your Sunday.